Uh, so today's reading is from Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, um, can be found on page 1108 of the Bibles around you. So thanksgiving and prayer. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all his people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of, of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power in the same and mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. So, as I say, my name is Ralph. Uh, I do this as a volunteer, so I have a, a daytime job, which isn't a teacher, and that's okay too. <laughs> I haven't just started term. I'll say a little bit later about that in my sermon. But first of all, I want to introduce you to my goldfish. Ha! It works. Uh, my goldfish was called Fred. He's one of my earliest memories as a child of winning said goldfish, presumably in a fair. I don't really remember the fair. I do remember him being in a bag, and we stopped off at Grandma's on the way home, and he sat in the living room, hung on the windowsill in his bag, sort of looking out of the bag. Uh, and then he ended up in a bowl a bit like that, unfortunately. He didn't have a lot of, lot of space, unfortunately, poor old Fred. Um, but he did last a very long time. And I think he did actually last a very long time. I don't think he was just subtly replaced. I think he did just last a very long time. Uh, he used to get constipated occasionally. You can tell a goldfish is constipated because it gets a long list, line of poo coming out of the end of it as it swims around the thing. So I remember collecting worms for Fred so that he would not be constipated. It's like... I'm not sure where that came from. Anyway, it did him good. He lasted a very long time, and that was my first pet. Um, C.S. Lewis, who wrote uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, uh, used the illustration of a goldfish to talk about different perspectives. He talks about asking a goldfish who knows its bowl to describe its habitat its bowl, but seeing through the bowl, could it describe the room that it's placed in, the table it's placed on? Could it know the house that it's part of? Would it know the street or the town? Would it know the wider world as it looks through the distorted image of its glass bowl? Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus that they might be able to broaden their perspective of the reality of the world that they live in. Like the goldfish looking out of a glass bowl. There's a danger we just concentrate in what is in front of us and that we are not aware through the revelation in the Bible and the promises of Christ of the reality of the world that we live in. So this is Paul's prayer to the Ephesians as he starts this letter 
to this church. So I'm just going to look at three verses from this letter. First of all, at Paul's prayer that the Ephesians may know firstly the hope to which he has called you. Secondly, the riches of his glorious inheritance. And finally, the incomparably great power for those of us who believe. I'm sticking with the postcard theme, you please know, Ben. Firstly then, that they may know the hope which he has called you. Verse 17. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus that sorry, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Verses 17 to half of 18. A couple of things leap out of me there. He starts with, I keep asking. This is something that the Apostle Paul is praying regularly for the church in Ephesus. I think we can surmise for that then that this is not something that the church in Ephesus has got sorted. This is something that the Apostle Paul is praying that God might bring them to a point at which they understand the, 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 the heart of this prayer for them and the reality of this. And what are they to understand? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I'm not sure my heart has many eyes. Doctors and fighters can tell us. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, the heart was used to describe the wholeness of the person. So the eyes of my heart is the understanding of the wholeness of me, my physical self, my emotional self, my spiritual self. The, the wholeness of who I am may know uh, the hope to which he has called me. The other thing that strikes me is this is an interesting start to a prayer to a church in Ephesus. It doesn't pray like perhaps we would pray that the church in Ephesus would know God's blessing and his love and everything else. He starts by praying that they would have some revelation to the blessing that is already a reality, even if they cannot see it with the eyes of their heart let me say that again he doesn't pray that they may be blessed he prays that they may understand and have the eyes to see the blessing that they already have and he prays for hope we know of hope as we sit here today what hope do we have as we go about our daily lives and meet people I think you can recognize people that have hope and people who are without hope 
I want to share a short video if the technology works. Um, this is a, a group that have been connected with Christchurch in the past called Fallen Angels Theatre Company. Uh, um, they work with uh, people who have are coming out of an addiction to drugs. Uh, they have about five different sites, uh, and they do so through um, through dance, uh, through uh, a couple who are a member here at Christchurch. So if it works, we're going to have a little snippet of this video um, and some of the hope in some of these people's lives. If it doesn't work, I'll be describing them. Have you pressed twice? No. The man on the computer says no. Oh well, there we are. Uh, <laughs> it says you might be using technology. So, um, I think we have the, the, the privilege of knowing uh, the stories of many of these people. Um, if you get a chance, do I'll stick it on the website. Do go and have a look at this project. Um, it, it's it's um, uh, led by um, uh, uh, a, a, a guy who was a professional ballet dancer um, and has done some extraordinarily powerful work through these people. They played for the Queen at Storyhouse when Storyhouse opened. They played at the Royal Opera House, uh, um, and the projects basically work with people um, who are coming uh, through addictions with a program which helps and assists them come through addiction. Paul urges us with the eyes of our heart to see a hope that is unseen. A hope that is based on Christ that becomes effective in the life of the church a hope which God has called you to, linked to our hope in the final purposes of God in a renewed heaven and earth. Hope is a huge need without which people stumble and fall. The reality that this is one of the first prayers of Paul for the Ephesians tells me that this is something that the Ephesians church openly needed. It's okay to ask for hope as a Christian on the top of your list. It's okay not to um, have to put the mask on, but to ask for help if you are without hope. Because Paul prays that we might see the hope that comes from a relationship with Christ. I don't know how you walked in here this morning. If you are full of hope and going for it at the start of term, we want to celebrate with you. If you were at a low point and you just want to talk to somebody, it's okay to be real in this family. And we would love to work with you and to talk with you and to pray with you after the service. If you don't know Christ, I can tell you from my own experience and the experience of this family that this message to the Ephesians contains hope. That walking with God brings hope. That in a society desperate to work out what it's all about, in need, Christianity 
through the church, through you and me, through the Spirit, is hope for the world. Secondly, then, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Verses 17 and 18. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you his spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There's a little word there that jumps out to me. See, I could stand here and tell you about the fantastic inheritance you have received if you have accepted Christ's forgiveness in your life, and that's all true. But there's a little word here which suggests to me that's not Paul's primary focus of this prayer. The little word is his in verse 18b. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. This isn't our inheritance. This is God's inheritance in us. God's glorious inheritance is his holy people. You and me who have first hoped in Christ. We are claimed by God as his inheritance. You are God's treasured possession. We, in our frailty, in our sin, in our bad days, in our hopelessness, are clothed with Christ and incredibly elevated to be God's inheritance. In Christ, he views you as his daughters and sons. In my day job, I work for a local government, and one of the pleasures of being a manager in a local government is being able to uh, uh, bring people into a position through interview to a job and then work with them and see them grow and flourish and uh, um, grow in themselves, but also in government to affect others as they carry out their job and improve things for a community of people. There's a pretty painful computer HR system to get to before you actually put, point somebody into a job. But that aside, you do eventually get to make the phone call to invite somebody into a job which they are qualified for and it's the right job for them which, which they will grow and flourish in. Looking over a, a department, though, one of the things that strikes me is a lot of what holds people back from applying for jobs is their own sense of their own ability. It's obvious for me with an overview that that person could be promoted to that job and this person, if that training course, could actually expand their, their, their knowledge into this and, and those people would be perfect if something opened up in this area. But often it's the people themselves who just can't see it or understand the gifts that they've given, been given and how they could be grown to take on the job that could be theirs. One of the uh, channels on YouTube is Yes Theory. Has anybody heard of Yes Theory? 
No, I'm that unconnected with youth culture. There we are. <laughs> yes, there is a group of young people who have set out to say yes to stuff. So uh, they go about not saying yes to everything, but going about saying yes to things that help people um, grow and do things that they didn't think they could do and benefit from them. So things that expand their worldview, things that expand their life. Um, there's one uh, video of a guy uh, uh, who gives his father a surprise um, I think birthday present, um, which is a bit risky, and uh, uh, he invites him to go surfing with him, uh, and then they drive to an airport and they jump out of an aeroplane and they skydive uh, in tandem skydiving. Uh, um, and this, it accounts his father's sort of realization of what actually is going to happen rather than an afternoon surfing through to the absolute elation of how brilliant that was and when can we do it again. Paul wants us to understand who we are in Christ that in that understanding we might walk forward and do the job, the task, the gifts, the ministry that he has us to do as individuals, as a church, as Christians. One of the biggest things that holds us back is not actually understanding who we are and the gifts that God has given us. Let's understand that despite the messiness of our lives, I, you, are precious to God. That you are his inheritance. You are his body. Understand the value that God places on you to accomplish his gracious plans for this universe through you and me through this church and this little bit of Chester in these terrace streets in your university halls in your workplaces or schools in your bridge club or whatever the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You, brothers and sisters, are God's glorious inheritance. Finally then, his incomparably great power. Verse 8, well, I'll read 17 and 18 to make it so it all flows. 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way.
is incomparably great power for those who believe. You can tell the Bible really means something when it uses two words when it could have used one. It doesn't just say great power or incomparable power. This is incomparably great power. Take note is what the writer is saying. I don't see many portrayals of the church as powerful. In fact, the usual BBC Sunday night comedy usually shows the church as exactly the opposite. Paul prays that we might know his incomparably great power. The letter is written to the church in Ephesus. A powerful city that was becoming important an example for how the Roman Empire could integrate with a local culture. It was a crossroads to many different areas of the ancient world. And it was powerful in another way. It was powerful in its gods, in a small g with its spirituality and its worship of other gods. Into this city, a house church or church in a house is born. To this church, Paul writes and prays that they might understand God's power that is theirs in Christ, placing everything under Christ's feet. I've had a, a couple of months of, of light duties at Christchurch, having uh, uh, been up front a lot while Graham was away on sabbatical. Uh, I've been to uh, I've been to Canada. And I've seen some friends in Canada and, and a bit of a tour of Ontario. Uh, and then I've just come back from uh, the south of France, where I spent some time with my family. Uh, one of the things that having some time off does is help you perhaps reassess your perspective um, in that uh, working to the point of going on holiday you often get focused so much on the tasks in front of you or I do that you lose perspective so one of the things I've been trying to think of is how I how I regain perspective as we start this term this is for many of us in in the ministry and, and generally in Christchurch is, is our, our our big restart of a term we welcome our new interns we get ready to uh, welcome our students back um, and as a church we, we the school year and university year there's a sort of natural cycle where this feels like uh, the beginning um, so I thought I would do something that was uh, just something that could actually be a place where I could be a bit more reflective and go a friend of mine is a very keen bird watcher I've never really been into bird watching um, but he took me to Burton Marshes which is just along the Wirral um, and I had a bit of a revelation there. We went with my godson and we, uh, we just spent some time sitting in a hide. Uh, I'd not really done that before. Uh, um, but I just came back absolutely overwhelmed by the, the space, really. If I could fish, as Dave still here, no. Uh, Dave McClenahan, one of our church wardens, fishes. It's just sort of space, you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of not a lot's going to happen. I might see some rare bird or I might just see some little brown birds, which usually was my experience. Um, but there's just space in a sense. So I decided I, I ought to be trying to build space in 
to my life. So I have joined, I've taken the momentous step, I have paid my four pounds, uh, and I have joined the RSPC, uh, no, not RSPCA, RSPB. <laughs> the idea that I'm going to spend some space uh, and reflect when things get uh, uh, too, too stressed. Paul is asking the Ephesian church and us to reflect, to readjust, and to understand the position we're in, even as society and everybody around us doesn't really believe how powerful Christ and through him the church is. Through Christ you are powerful as he is the head of us, the church more powerful than any other. This King Jesus has his hands and his feet, his body, as you and me, the church. We are powerful because of the power of Christ that was demonstrated in his resurrection from the dead. We are powerful not to be mythical conjurers and to do you know, stuff that looks cool. But we are powerful because we know our king who has the power over all the authorities and rulers of this world. And that through our king, nothing in this world can stand in the way of the growth of his kingdom. Paul prays that the church might understand the incomparably great power for us who believe and the incomparably great power available for those who don't but would accept Christ as their saviour. In conclusion then with my little postcard, Paul prays persistently for the church. This is not putting the Ephesians church up on the pedals and still and saying, look how they've got all this stuff. They're just like us. They haven't got it, but they need it. And Paul prays persistently for this change of perspective, that they know who they are, that they might be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they can see through the glass of the goldfish bowl to the wider world order as it really is, in knowing that they might understand their unique, precious position as sisters and brothers of Christ, and through that, hold on to the hope of sharing in his glory. And that doing so, they, we, may be empowered to understand the power that we have in Christ and the role that rests on our shoulders as his hands and his feet and his body, God's gracious inheritance through Christ, our hope for the world. There's a lot of theology there. Sorry. My takeaway for you really is, how are you feeling today? It's okay. But however you are feeling today, Paul's prayer is that we might understand who we are in Christ. That we might understand the offer of Christ for forgiveness and that if you don't know Christ this morning 
to understand the genuine offer as God holds out his arms to you to welcome you back that you might understand what that means and the hope that is invested and available through following Christ as his brother or sister into what he has for us as a church I want to finish by praying for us and with the mic whether you just come back up um, you see I think this message is a message for the church but it's also a message for our God given mission in this city that though society doesn't realise it we have the answer we have the hope we are the inheritance and we can point to a different way so as Mike plays um, we just ask you really just to, to think and just spend some time with God thinking about those three aspects the hope the revelation that we are God's precious inheritance and the power that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ let me pray for us and then I'll just let Mike pray Father as we come to you as your church in this place we pray for your perspective that the eyes of our heart might be open that we might have this wisdom this revelation as a reality this hope in our life we give you thanks for the opportunity for your forgiveness and grace that raises us up as brothers and sisters in Christ and we pray in hope that as your church we might know your power that helps us throw off any identities that have been put on us to enable us to step forward in faith through you through your spirit to do the work that you would have us do as Christ church as individuals in our daily lives that your kingdom might grow and affect many lives in the places where we connect come Lord Jesus we pray